Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Tamara Bat Elka, and Haya Sara Bat Devora. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitsons YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I am honored to have on today's show, Rebitson Hannah Bilek. Rebitson Hannah is a life coach, consultant, and public speaker with a fascinating story. She is a Korean-American Orthodox Jewish adoptee, so she was adopted, and she was born into poverty in South Korea, but she's now married to an Orthodox rabbi living in Baltimore, Maryland. Wow, what a journey. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and your story. Thank you, Vera. Um, first of all, please just call me Hannah. Um, the Revson title is, you know, a smaller title. Um, I definitely have many um, identities. I've, as an adoptee, I've gone through different um, journeys <laughs> in terms of just my name. Um, actually, I was planning not to marry a rabbi, and um, God granted me that wish, but then I ended up making him a rabbi. So in our first few years of marriage, he became a rabbi, and then by default, I became a Revson. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's one part, but basically, right, as an adoptee, um, yes, I indeed, um, I know, I actually, in the beginning, I didn't know really what the situation in terms of, like, how poverty-stricken I was. I just had on my um, information in my adoptive, adoptive adoption file that probably it was a poverty situation, as I was very sick when they found me, and that was what was in the information. So, as an adoptee to a white American family um, from South Korea, as, as the age of two, um, in my young childhood years, in my teenage years, I really had to really question what makes a relationship a relationship, right? It wasn't a given from very right on from the beginning. So I think that has really given me an edge in terms of understanding um, what a relationship is and how to form those relationships and make sure they are what is going to be helpful for my identity. So I really questioned my identity, what, who I want to be, and that really led me on my journey and my searching. My parents um, are part of the story, but in a nutshell, my father, who was born Jewish, who, who adopted me, my mother later on converted, and we went through a reform conversion, and then my parent, my mother went through her own Orthodox conversion, and I then later on, on my own, made that journey. So that is um, how I became an Orthodox Jewish woman. Um, and so, yeah, so through this whole journey, I really had to figure out what a relationship is with one's family members, siblings. Um, I didn't have a lot of extended family at the time, but as I got married and got involved with in-laws and other bigger family members, I really had to learn that, that the, you know, learn about those things and really take in all the um, life lessons and um, the things I've learned from school, from undergrad psychology and a... Um, Masters of Sociology, which really questions the idea of relationships and how they shape a person's identity and how a, person, a person's identity shapes and, and influences one's relationships in the larger society. So this has kind of been my whole life. <laughs> so this is right down my path. And so I've been using my own um, life experience and educational, um, professional education and learning to help other people navigate those challenging and sometimes, you know, part of relationships and then, you know, how we can go through that. So yeah, so th that has been the biggest part of my life. Now, a big update in my story is that I just found my birth family this past oh, wow. year. Oh, wow. So I'm navigating a whole new set of relationships. It's beautiful. I've met my birth mother and her family, um, many of her family members, many of my aunts and uncles and cousins. I've met my 
um, part of my birth father's family. Um, my birth father is actually not alive, so I did not meet him, but I met some people who were close to him at the time of my um, beginning of my life. And I've gone back to Korea twice within a year to meet all these people. So I am just navigating a whole journey of new relationships, a totally different culture and a language barrier on top of it. Yet I'm really, really blessed because God has given me so many things in my life to help me now have the skills to use these skills and lessons of relationship navigation for this new set of relationships that I'm now getting involved in. That's incredible. I'm like taking in everything you're seeing. It's, it's such a journey. I mean, it really, really is. It's not one that's typical of, of most people. It really crosses continents, crosses language barriers, crosses religion barriers, really everything, everything. And as you mentioned, relationships, and this is so, and so interesting because when I first reached out to you, I didn't even think how, how important relationships were in your life because we're going to be talking about relationships today, but I see like you are the perfect person for this topic. This is amazing. So today we're going to be talking about an issue that so many women face on a daily basis, and it's managing close relationships, but not the one with our husbands and children. These are different. We're going to be discussing important perspectives and strategies on managing relationships with our friends, our coworkers, our in-laws, siblings, extended family members. And these are all relationships that can bring us much joy in our lives, but they really can also add a lot of stress. So today with your help, we're going to learn how to bring back the joy and alleviate the challenges that can sometimes occur when people interact with each other. So let's start at the beginning. Can you please talk to us about how we can manage relationships with our friends, in-laws, colleagues, on top of our existing household relationships with our husband or kids? Like, how do we manage all that external along with the internal? Right. So that's a very good question, because as we have to create our home life and so much energy goes into making the marriage work, making our parenting work, it can feel a lot of times for a lot of women that they don't have that extra energy to go then to go out and work on those extended relationships, whether it's in-laws, um, you know, and we also have those obligations with we feel with in-laws and that pull to fulfill our obligation and at the same time find a way to enjoy it, you know, um, especially in a society today where with, you know, the Hallmark market and, and, um, and, and movies and TV shows, everything out there looks, everybody's so happy all the time. That everybody's always joyful. I'd use the word joyful. And that feeling that we so want to have that, that is put out there, the expectation is you can have it all, right? That's the world we live in. We can have, we can have a beautiful, perfect home, you know, that's, you know, magazine worthy, picture worthy, and have a hot dinner, you know, from the commercials, everybody's happy, everybody's fed, and you can have time to go party with your friends. And <laughs> you'll still wake up refreshed the next morning, you know, to do it all again. And, and that I think this is a big part that that we have to be realistic about what we are managing. And I think that, to, that this is a big part is when we have to be realistic about what we need to manage. And there's only 24 hours in a day, seven days a week for, no, for everybody men and women, rich and poor. And I think that's one place to start that our expectation and reality need to be closer together where we may be in a space of disappointment that we can't have everything, right? That is disappointing. And if we can get it closer here rather than here, you know, if we, when we look at all these expectations and we pull it apart, there's more space for that joy to fall down into despair and exhaustion, right? And so that's one thing is time management is one thing, being realistic. Raise one thing, um, and and that's that's one piece of the puzzle. 
The other thing in terms of managing is to, 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 to understand what am I feeling in each relationship that I have and what do I want to get? And you mentioned, again, that word, I want to feel joyful. A woman wants to feel joyful in her work, in her relationships. And if we know what our goal is, and at the same time, we're aware of what we're feeling when we're interacting with somebody, some of those relationships don't feel joyful, which is, is going to sometimes feel that we're not, again, expectation. It may not always feel joyful to go to your mother-in-law's house when you'd rather be working on a home project, right? It may not be joyful to hang out with that sister-in-law for her birthday, then you'd rather be going to your friend's birthday, right? You have to, there, there's decisions. And, and we have to understand that sometimes we're going to choose a different goal, what we want. We want to foster that relationship with that in-law because maybe in the first few years, that's important because you want to build that connection with family, right? And that may, may, may not feel as joyful. And at the same time, if we know that there's a goal we're trying to get to in working towards that relationship, we can say, oh, I'm, I'm maybe feeling happy that I'm creating this family dynamic and that's where I'm putting my energy now. That's more realistic. And at the same time, maybe I'm not going to do this every year. Then in a couple of years, I'm going to rather say, no, this, this year I'm going to decline your birthday because my best friend's birthday is actually the same day your birthday is and I'm going to go now to her. Right. And you talk, you have to be more realistic about what you're working towards and that can bring back some sense of enjoyment or at least sense of happiness. I'm working towards those goals. Right. And we have to work towards that and be aware of it at the same time. That's beautiful. And it's so it's so practical. It really is, you know, to determine like what what kind of goal that you want with a certain relationship. And that's so interesting. I've never actually heard that before, like setting goals with relationships in terms of what you want from from your interaction, your relationship with that person. And it doesn't have to be a forever thing. Just because you're doing something, you're interacting with a person one way now doesn't mean five, 10 years from now, it's going to be the same thing. It could evolve. It could change once you've built that foundation for the relationship. I love that. And in terms of being realistic, I don't, I, you know, you're right. The hallmark, everybody's happy. Everybody's joyful. No, nobody's complaining about dinner. Like everybody wants to go to the same place and do the same thing. It's wow. You know, that's not, you know, it's not reality. So I love that what you said about time management and being realistic. We, you know, as women, we only have 24 hours in a day and we have to be realistic about what we can accomplish in that, you know, we have our household relationships with our husband and our kids. And then we have to see how much we can devote to those relationships outside, outside the home. I think it's very practical and very doable. So thank you. Yes, yes, you're and so like, as you were mentioning, friendships play a key role in our lives. Like there are plenty of times when we feel closer to one of our friends or even to our siblings, aunts or cousins than we do to our husband. Whenever we're close with somebody, we are particularly impacted by their words or their actions. And what people say and do can cause deep emotional wounds and hurt us tremendously. And really, even sometimes breaking up with a friend is more painful than getting a divorce. So I want to ask you, how can we handle a situation where we have somebody who's really close to us, like a friend or a mother-in-law or a sister who hurts us? How do we handle a hurt in that type of a relationship? Wow. Yeah. So thank you for asking that question, because this is something that is the harder side to talk about when it comes to relationships and it can happen to anybody. Um, and I definitely had you know, those, those situations as well. Um, yeah. So again, like, I think again, that, that there are, we have to be aware again of what's going on when we're in a relationship with somebody, right. And to have, again, a realization that we can't control another person and what they're going to do and to control my feeling, right. So if something is feeling unenjoyable, or hurtful, and then all those other feelings that are in between, right? Those other feelings of maybe you feel anxious around somebody, or you're feeling nervous, or you're feeling worried. Again, what are those feelings you're feeling? If you become more aware of those feelings, then you're able to understand, wait, 
then you can ask yourself the next question by and then gain understanding by asking the question if i'm feeling this feeling worried hurt etc what's making me feel that way right is it that a certain thing they're saying to me is it a certain um joke they're making is it you know that they're i'm making plans for them and they and, and many times that i try to make plans they stand me up or they cancel last minute what are the things that are making me feel those those feelings and then if i can have the ability to understand what i'm going through and respect first of all is respecting in yourself what you're feeling and a lot of times again as women i think we are unrealistic about respecting our feelings again we, we think everybody's always happy i should be happy why am i unhappy you know if i can just get them to do this and maybe maybe i'm just picking the wrong time of day and i just i just i need to try a different time of day right <laughs> or maybe you know, she doesn't like my, you know maybe text message doesn't work i need to call her right we go into this like what maybe and what if and that anxiety and stress we create, we don't really notice those other feelings are really going on. And when we can respect those feelings and not push them away right away, and be like, okay, here's what I'm feeling. They say, okay, no, no, now let me see if I can address that with the person, right? So if there's a phrase, and it depends on the relationship and how, again, there's a, every relationship is different. So like with a new mother-in-law, you may not say, excuse me, you know, I don't really like it when you call my tickle a schmata. You know, maybe for you, that is like just your terminology, but for me, it actually, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable, right? And not, and, uh, and, and I really would prefer if you just call it a, a tichel, right? And, and oftentimes, if you can say to a, to a person, again, depends on relationship, a new mother-in-law, you may not want to say that right away, but after a few years, maybe you'll have the, the confidence to say, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> I really, you know, I really know that you like me better in a shaitel and you really like, like, like that. You know, I really appreciate it when I do wear a tichel that, you know, just, don't say anything or don't, or, or don't say that it's a shmata, right? Again, that everybody can have different ways of, of kind of bringing that in at a different point in time. Again, it's not, you don't have to say this forever. I'm going to be in this uncomfortable or negative experience. What can I do though, to influence that change, right? And if I can speak up and then I see, we don't know what the reaction is going to be from that mother-in-law or from that friend, right? Mm -hmm. All I can do is try. Usually most people care about how other people are feeling, right? This is what I think, even a mother-in-law, who seems very judgmental, or we feel judged by the mother-in-law constantly, or from that sister who, you know, is, you know, has her opinion about me and how I do things now, or that friend who, you know, we went to, to base soccer together and now we've gone different paths and, and we, we, we get back together, you know, again. And a lot of times it's, it's that feeling of judgment I think a lot of, of, of us get from those relationships. And again, being it's like, what can I do to see, check in, is it, that they are really judging me and that I am, and, and, the, and then they're gonna say another, another thing back that's judgmental and negative, or would they perhaps say, oh, actually, I didn't know that was so upsetting for you. I really didn't mean that. You know, just, that's just, that's how I, I refer to it. I don't, I'll, I'll stop, you know, or just remind me if I do it again. And again, the work we can do, and then, and then, and then there's an opportunity, right, to see where we'll go. So again, it's, it's two parts. On one hand, it depends on the relationship. Not every relationship right away, we're gonna feel comfortable saying, you know, hey, I'm upset by that, or that is hurtful for me, or I'm worried about this, right? Then other relationships, if we can get to a point, and I think it really has to do with their personal work. And this is a personal, as a personal development coach, I, this is the work to do to help a person, first and foremost, respect their own feeling. That if I'm feeling worried, or I'm feeling upset about something, and then do the work, what is making them feel that way? And now that I understand that, now can I, have the confidence to speak up to the other person and ask them to respect my feeling and tell them, hey, you know, this, I'd like to have a conversation about this because I, I would like to keep this relationship and I would like to try to make this work. Here's something that could help make it work better. 
I love that. I love what you said about respecting your own feelings. I think sometimes as women, we forget to respect our own feelings, or maybe we just don't think our feelings are important. Everybody else's feelings are more important than ours. And we just kind of shove ourselves under the rug down there. And that breeds resentment. That's like prime breeding grounds for resentment, because why is everybody else getting their needs met, getting, you know, their feelings acknowledged? And me, I'm like chopped liver, you know? So I, I think it really is very, very important to respect your feelings. And I like that. I like what you said, because it makes so much sense. Once we respect our feelings and we're, get, we're comfortable with our feelings, we're able to express them in a respectful way to other people. And they're able to hear it from a place not of anger or of judgment, but from like a genuine place of I'm, I'm hurt by what you did or what you said or something like that, you know, in, in a respectful way, as opposed to coming at them like gangbusters and all angry because we're suppressing our own feelings and feeling just that resentment. Right, right, exactly it. And I think that's what it is. Like, you know, one of my favorite quotes growing up when you talk about the friendships, right, that friendships are just a key role in our lives. Like I as an adoptee again like I had to look at the world like okay anybody could have been my parents any could anybody could have been my siblings anybody can be my friend and there's a famous quote I heard that there's um there are no strangers in the world only friends you've never met um and that, you know that that quote when I heard it I can't remember I think I was a young before like a tween you know before but I took that in as like that's it like that's what it is there's there is that that's what the world is open Right. At the same time, we have to teach our children to be careful about strangers and not go to, not everybody's a friend to the point we can just walk into their home or go into their car. But again, the idea is that the potential is there, the potential to care for each other and create a connection. And that's really what all this is about, right? All this topic about relationships is that we are made for connection. Humans are made to connect with each other. And all those relationships from, from the one with oneself, with one's intimate partner, husband, children, in-laws, in family, all the different family members, cousins, um, siblings, friendships, they all are a potential for connection. And from that potential comes our potential to get to know ourselves more and in that process get to understand God more. Because again, we can understand my feelings, what work I need to do to get there. And through that work, we're doing really chesed for ourselves and for the other people as we're having those conversations. Right. It's so funny. I, you know, I just, I, I connect so much with this quote, like what, what was it? Strangers are just friend, friends waiting to happen. Right. Strangers are, there's no strangers in the world. There's only friends you've never, ever, you've never met. Meaning the potential is really there no matter who the person is. Right. And, and that, that we have the opportunity, each individual has the opportunity to create that friendship with a person to meet a person on the common ground, to able to share. And what is a friendship? What is a relationship? It's not just two people living in the same House, right there's many people we know who grew up in homes where it's more like a dormitory or marriages that have become more like your roommates right and and those are those are that you're under the same physical roof but yet you're not connecting what is the connections that happen you're not sharing your feelings you're not saying hey I feel this way I feel that way you know and and can we what can we do to make that the positive feeling more happen in this environment right that's really what the goal is and that's what that's why God gave us feelings not to suppress them and not to try to you know not to push them away is to, to make us aware so we can have more insight more das into what I need to do what do I want to change here and and how do I get to the top right so respect is on the bottom how do I then having that trusting conversation and the top is love how do I get to the love of for myself and for the other person and that's chesed right the chesed is love when we can do it in the right way and we can go through that process. Right, that's true. Love is the ultimate expression of hesed. That really, really makes sense. I love that. 
Um, and, you know, I just want to take this step, this question just one step further. You know, as I was saying when I was asking it, the question in the first place, I was saying about like sometimes breaking up with a friend is more painful than getting a divorce. I, I want to talk about that just for a little while. I, I don't, do you understand like what, what I'm saying? Like if sometimes you have like a really close friendship, like a best friend or something like that, and you're friends for 10, 15, 20 years, and then something happens, something, like what it could be anything. And then that person is just not in your life anymore. And like you feel such a profound loss. And maybe you were married and you were never close to your husband in the first place. And then you get a divorce. And yeah, of course, it's a loss. And yes, you feel it. But you felt that loss of a friendship so much more. And I'm wondering, like for people who are going or, or have gone through that situation, how do you handle that? Right. So that's so yeah. So going in specific terms of really, really close friendship, right? Again, yeah. that worked on creating that that moving past from being a stranger to a friendship and you put that effort in and you've had those years of conversation and you've, and you've been there for each other and you know and it can and, and you really feel this really like your soul sister you know as a, a term people use this really deep connection with a person yes. that you know that they're part of in a sense a part of you right when you say it's um you are my friend right that that word you're it's a, it's a connection right? right that we're best friends why best friends are so important to young children because they want the sense of like i'm not alone right? yes. it's a big world out there and even getting married is part of that big world right like if i knew before i got married and and now i got married you're you were part of that world before and you're still part of my world after and it's i i'm okay I'm, it gives me a sense of roundness right and it's really right it's a really powerful thing to have a best friend and as one if one faces a place where either they just kind of diverge, even that can be a sadness, right? It's a loss yes. or if the argument, if something would cause that, um, you know, a gel, you know, something in a jealous situation or, um, or, you know, it's just something like a, a fight over, usually a fight about something came up and it would, you know, maybe a hashgothic or, you know, all, you know an, an a difference of opinion, maybe. Opinion, yeah. we, I've seen this a lot this year, actually, we saw the past few years, the political, right, the political dynamic has really heated up people's discussions um, about, you know, and if people are not the same political spectrum, they have broken up friendships. Right? Yeah. So again, it's, it's really, it's a really, it's a really hard thing. And so what is, it's really a loss. It's really, at the end of the day, when you lose any relationship, and especially a close friendship, it yeah. is a loss. Yes. So in a sense, it's kind of going through a mourning period, right? And, and like understanding, first of all, that you are going to be flooded with different emotions. There'll be days when you're going to be in shock, and then you're going to be angry, and you're going to feel shock, you're going to feel anger, you're going to feel de despair and sadness. And that's, you may even cry over the friendship. And that's, again, I think going back to respecting those feelings of that process is important to accept and respect that that's part of being human is that we have the awareness of our emotions. And then those are, those feelings come from our thought process. What am I thinking? Oh, she could have done this. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, you know, could have, would have, should have. If I stay there, I'm going to usually stay longer in a place of anxiety and despair, which is okay to be there. It's okay to be there. You don't have to get out of it super fast. You don't have to shun yourself for that, right? But again, to not feel ashamed of it and not to feel guilty of it, to accept that that's part of the process. And that we have to decide what was the situation again if it's a friendship that is not going to be helping us get to our goal right go back to the goal of becoming more connected to our to our higher self and to shalom right shalom bias which extends beyond the home like connection to the community and in terms of friendships and really ultimately connecting to hashem right if it's, it's going if it's, it's not then maybe in the end of the day we have to say really have to say it's hard to swallow right it's really gamzelatova if this person was actually deterring me from those things and wasn't helping me, then, then maybe that is, it's hard to accept. And I can look back and 
and be happy for the, the fun times I had and the good memories and the things I learned from that person, right? At the same time that now their footprint is on my heart, but it's not going to be, you're not going to be walking together anymore. And to really, on one hand, commemorate the friendship, on the other hand, accept the loss and move on, right? And actually, I was listening to Representative Heller yesterday, and she gave an online class, and she talked about the idea that really that what, what we want to do over this tomorrow, the day of morning, um, at Sarah's service, is to to understand that we're, we're commemorating the losses of what, what we've come from, you know, the pain of the Jewish people, but we don't get into despair, and that we ha we say, well, we want to work and build forward. I want, what can I learn from that? What can I move forward and do for the next relationship, right? In terms of myself, right? And 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 how do how can I learn from that? And then I, I love that. Yeah. I have that. Like I've had, you know, I definitely definitely friendships in my life where I've had also to like say, okay, that's not going to serve me well anymore. And now I'm going to take what I've learned from that and and build forward. And at the same time, accept that there will be a time period of, of sadness. And sometimes even you, you, years will go by and you'll think back to that friendship and the loss of it. And except in that moment that you remember, you're having a, a moment of remembering that the sadness of that loss and commemorating that friendship. I love that. It's, it's so very well said because it's so true. Like, and it all comes back to respecting our own feelings and even our own feelings and the grief of losing that friendship. Like you said, it's a loss and we have to give ourselves the time and the space to grieve our feelings and accept them and feel our feelings. So it's really, wow. <laughs> um, so here's an interesting question. So Hashem, God created women to be nurturers and caretakers. We cook for our friends and family. We take on an extra project at work. We agree to go out of town to visit our in-laws for the holidays, even if it's not convenient for us. And we do so much for so many people. And all this doing for others is really, it's wonderful and it's helpful, but can lead to burnout. And sometimes we just need to say no so that we can focus on taking care of other things or even focus on taking care of ourselves so that we don't burn out. My question is, how do we say no when we really need to say no, but how can we do it in a way that we're still staying true to, to God and to fulfilling our role of taking care of others? Right. Really good question. So I think this is, comes back. It's like we keep talking about respecting ourselves, right? That respecting self-respect in another way, people are saying it today is self-love is not selfish, right? Self-respect, self-love, self-care is not selfish, Right, that we need to not feel guilty and ashamed that I need to say no to my 10 year old when she wants me to hang out at 10 o'clock at night, that I need to take some time now to get myself ready for bed. And that, you know, please, you know, I'm asking you to, I'm gonna show you that I want respect and I'm gonna respect myself by saying no, right? And, and saying not now, you know, I say, you know, I like, to, I like to hang out, I like to spend more time with you. Yes, it is disappointing, right? The space of disappointment will exist. I'm feeling disappointed that I don't have more time to spend out with you, spend with you now, 10 o'clock at night. You know, let's, if, if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it at a different time, right? And again, that it, that it, it comes back to that respect. Um, another piece is that when I run my anger, I run an anger management workshop, I've been giving for a few years now. And so this comes up, up towards the last session of the workshop, the idea of saying no, right? Because when we don't say no, we, it breeds resentment and we end up getting angry, right? Because expectation reality is not here, it's here. And then that anger, well of anger exists. And this, this kind of expectation reality um, idea, I took a, it really comes from Rabbi Noah Orlowick. So he talks about this idea also in parenting and relationships, right? So again, that we can't, we, we, if, we, if we keep moving it back, here's reality. And I keep expecting, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll find time. Yeah, I should be able to do it. I'll try, I, I should 
right? Why can't I? Then that well of negative emotions gets bigger and bigger, right? right. And then we can't handle it. We can't hold it, right? But if we're here, that feeling disappointed that there's not enough time, feeling disappointed that I don't have enough energy, that it's okay, that there'll be, there'll often time, and this is really realizing reality, that there's often times we're disappointed, right? That, that, is, that, is, that is actually okay that we're feeling disappointed, that there's not enough time to do everything. And, and, that, and that's, that's okay. We're not, and really we're not, especially there's this, I've read the exact quote, right? that it's not our job to finish everything in the world, but we have to try our best, right? We're not, we're not every Jew is not responsible to bring Mashiach but we have to try our best, yes. right? That as a, we have to do our part. The same, so we have to take that idea into our everyday life that, that in 24 hours is not responsible to do everything for everybody all the time. Right. Part of doing best is for you too. It's saying I also, because you, you have to fill yourself first. If you're not doing chesed for yourself first, you can't go out and do it for other people. And that includes your family members and your extended family, right? And you and you have to check in with yourself. What 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 what, what am I feeling right now? Again, it goes back to feeling. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling stressed out. I'm feeling anxious. Oh my gosh, it's okay. I'm feeling these things. Okay, now I hear myself say I'm feeling overwhelmed. Now I see myself getting anxious. Let me take a minute. What am I feeling overwhelmed about? What am I feeling anxious about? Oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed to take all giving my two, two friends who just had babies to, I really would, would like to make a meal and I should make the meal because they're my friend. And you know, I got the meal train thing and, and it keeps popping up a reminder, I should do it. You know, <laughs> oh no, there's too many days are running out, right? <laughs> and then maybe say, wait, you know what? I can make them a meal in a month. I don't have mm-hmm. to make them a meal this week just because that's what the meal train says, yes. right? And it keeps popping on my phone, that that's okay. And then the people say, you know, excuse me, I know, I know you're asking for my help. You know, I'm gonna have to, really it's just better I, I say no right that, that today i'm not able to help with that okay and again we have to be able to say no with clearly first of all being clear what is the expectation made of us if we can clarify the other person sometimes we're not hearing the expe- expectation clearly right we hear somebody wants help with something like okay can you help me make shever brachas well that's a very general term make shever brachas excuse me can you tell me what you're like you're expecting help with from me oh you, could you do all the shopping for all the food for the shever brachas Oh, okay. Now I understand. You want me to do shopping for the shavuot because the shopping part of creating that. You know, you know. Actually, I can't do all the shopping for the shavuot because that won't work out for me. Now that I'm understanding clearly, that's your expectation. I'm not able to do that because the day of the shavuot brachas or the day before, which is maybe the day I do the shopping, I'm already have plans, right? And and actually, not to say I'm sorry, I can't. Right? This, to say I'm sorry. It weakens your no to say, I just, I can't, I can't do that. I have already had plans. What I can do now, maybe it's not a complete no, but what it could be is like, you know, I, what I'd be happy to do is I could deliver the drinks a week before. Is that something that's not going to go bad? The pressure is not there. I can organize the drinks part of it. Would that be helpful? Right. And that's what we, we can really think through if we, if we think about what we're feeling, what we're, what is making me feel overwhelmed? What is it that I can or cannot do? And then offer a question. Sometimes that can be, no, I won't do that. What do you need help with? I can do this, right? Or sometimes maybe you'll complete no, like, no, I'm not able to, right? And, 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 and understanding that's what you need to have happen. Because again, what I say is, you know, as women, our desk or our work desk is not just our desk where we sit. It's the kitchen. It's the house. It's the doctor appointments. It's, we don't know what's going to come up day right. in, day out, week up. So we may have plans to make dinner for a friend that week who had a baby, right? Who's a good friend, and you really want to show, show your love and support by providing a meal for the family. But then you have two kids who need to go to the doctor that day that you're planning to make a meal. Right, right. And so I love that because you know 
self-care is not selfish. When you respect yourself, other people respect you and then they don't take advantage of you and they don't step on you. And I also like what you said about offering something else. Okay, so you can't do exactly what the person wanted you to do, but you, you know, after you take pause and you think, okay, well, I can't do that. Is there something else I can do? Is there something I could offer? And sometimes it's going to be flat out, no, I can't at all because of whatever's going on in your life. Or sometimes there's, there's going to be, you know, I can't do exactly what you asked me to, but can I do this? And then you can offer that. And then it's up to them. Do they accept your offer or they say, no, I really need this and that's it. And then, you know, of course you're nice and polite about it, but you don't let yourself get stepped on and you don't let yourself get burned out and stressed out over something that it is really not in your realm to do anyway. You can say no and it's okay. Right. And I think this really comes back to Bittachon and Amuna, right? We are not responsible for everything that happens around us. That Hashem is really running the show. Right. Right. So as we really work on our Bittachon and Amuna in this regard, then we can understand that if I say no, God will take care of it. Right. That we're not the ones running the world. If I say no, the whole world is not going to stop. Something else, somebody else will step in or something else will happen and it'll get it done. It'll get done. It's great. Right. So again, it's, 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 it, we have to really, as Jewish women, really understand that when I'm saying no and if I'm feeling sad and disappointed, I'm saying no, that that's okay. Like, again, that I am disappointed. Yes. I, and I'm just, and I see that you're feeling disappointed. To say, I'm sorry, you're disappointed that I can't help you. That's okay. I'm sorry that you're feeling disappointed. I'm sorry that you're feeling sad that I can't spend more time with you or I can't help you with that project, right? That's okay to, it's, you know, and then you ask me, hey, you know, now that I said, no, how are you feeling? Now, some person, one friend said, like, oh, I'm fine. I, I, you know, I've got three other people to ask. Another right. person went, oh my gosh, I was big on you because the last time you made the Shepherd Bachos, it was perfect. You, per- and you're the best person for this. I really need your, oh, I really, wow, you're really feeling this because your expectation, right? Expectation is really great. Yes. And I'm saying, you know, I'm so sorry you're feeling disappointed that I can't meet your expectation this time. Right. Right. It's so interesting that the point of view of meeting somebody else's expectation, because you don't know exactly what expectation they have of you. Like you said, maybe they, they have other people. You say, no, okay, not a big deal. But maybe like they were just counting on you and you said no and they were like really deeply disappointed you know but it's still okay it's not oh just because you're really deeply disappointed i'm i turn into a schmott and i do what you want me to right right so then then you can say wait let's be there let's be here together for a minute i'm also feeling disappointed i don't have time this time yeah at the same time i respect myself and i respect you and you can say and also in those cases you know hey you know do you want me to help you figure out a, a plan b you know, I can spend 10 minutes on the phone while I'm cooking a Kugel, <laughs> like to talk it out, right? Again, when you're able to respect your feelings more, you can be, become more of an out-of-the-box thinker. That's not only me and you trying to solve this problem, but there's often many other ways to work together to solve a problem and get beyond that disappointment, right? It may not be perfect, but oftentimes, again, when you respect your own feelings, then you also respect your friend's feelings. Say, hey, you know, how are you feeling? That, you know, what's going on? I see this look in your face. What's going on with you? What are you feeling right now? Right. And then and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I see that you're feeling that way. And it makes sense. And um, I'm really sorry that you're feeling that way. And at the same time, I'm sorry that I can't, I, that I'm feeling this way also. And still, I, I'm not sorry about my no, that my no is actually something that I'm doing for myself. It's respecting, I trust my no, and I give myself that self-love from that clear, respectful no. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. And I just want to ask you one last question because we are all inspired by true stories, true success stories. So if we know of someone who faced the same challenges as we did and they overcame it, it can give us hope that we can do it too. So I want to ask you if you can please share a story or two either about yourself from your own life or about someone you know who has faced challenges with people close to them 
other than their husbands and children and who was able to successfully manage that relationship and how did they do it? Right, okay, so I do have clients that have helped navigate these um, dynamics. Um, so one particular story that comes to mind is, um, is a client who actually is navigating her relationship with her adoptive mother. So I'm working with an adoptee for a few months, maybe even over a year now. Um, and she came in because she was really having a hard time connecting with her, her, her mother. And she wasn't sure if it was because of her adoption stuff and her, you know, of that, or if it was just something that's between her and her mom. And so the first thing is that to, to come to, I helped her understand that, you know, realistically, like not everybody is close to their mother in their adult years, right? That, that is, that, that in her, in her view, she's like, with this, that she thought she, she should be able to be close to her mom, right? And right. actually, in fact, her mother and her were, were just on a different, um, difference of opinion about the political situation over the past few years. And so she was working in the government. So her work is government oriented and is very directly affected by the policies that are made yes. from the president down to her job, right? And so as we, she's gone through the years with the different presidencies, um, she was experiencing really stressful situations and she would call her mother and her mom asked about her work and she would explain that her mom would invalidate her or say something that was, you know, unhelpful. And, and she just felt like she wasn't, she, she was getting more and more distant from her mother. So it really scared her, especially as somebody who, I think for anybody, it was, it's, it's a painful experience, a scary experience to become distant from one's mother. Um, at the same time, for an adoptee, I think there's that extra layer of like, well, like, what does this mean? I'm, I'm having this kind of a fear of abandonment or separation. It can be a little bit more intense. So really, one thing I first did was help her become more realistic about like, this. not everybody has a great close relationship with their mother, whether adopted or biological. Um, so that was the first thing is becoming more realistic, right? That's what we talked about as well in the beginning of this. The second thing was to really understand what does she want? What is her goal with maintaining her connection with her mother? Right? That's also is, is to clarify. She wanted to continue to see her mother. She wanted to go visit her mother. And she ideally, she liked to, her mother come up to visit her, but her mother wasn't the type of person to go outside of her comfort zone and do, and do that. So again, as, as we clarified, what was her goal? Like, what is she looking for in terms of that relationship? Is that she wanted the family connection, that for her to have that connection created family for her, a sense of family. And so, so we, as we clarified, what does that mean? And what is, and how do you, how could she do that given the circumstances in this unique relationship? she was able to come to a better understanding of her feelings and her work through them and then find common ground where she could connect with her mother. Wow. And that, that's a process. Like, I mean, it took time. Like you definitely had to work through that. Many months. Yeah. Many months of work. Yes. 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 Wow. And I love that. And it's because you, you set a goal with her. Like, what do you want out of this relationship and how can you go about to achieve it? I really, really like that because that gives you clarity and direction. Because if you want something, I know a lot of people say, I want, I want, I want, but they don't know what they want. So if you don't know what you want, you can't get it. And it really is the same thing. I love how you explain how it really is the same thing in a relationship. If you have a relationship with somebody, this time it was with her mother, you know, it could be with any relationship, an in-law, a colleague, a friend, you know, when you know what you want out of a relationship, it's you, you're, you're more apt to be able to get there because you know the directions that you know the steps that you have to take to get there and you kind of know where you're going with it so this is very very cool that she you helped her work out her relationship with her mother by setting a goal right right and that and, and so that's that was really it really helped her and give her that context to work towards it and she's been able to take, to take some skills right it's been a process learning the skills becoming more aware of what's going with herself um yeah. and, and, and be aware when her mother's 
when something, what is your expectation from a mother, right? Lowering the expectation down and be more realistic. Um, in terms of coworkers, so I actually recently went, was hired to go out to a, um, a business, a business here in Baltimore. And I would, I saw the, the gentleman who brought me in was, I think he's the boss of the business. I'm not sure what his exact title is, but he brought me in to work with two um, of the uh, staff members who had gotten into a argument on the work floor. And so I saw them both individually and gave them the anger management workshop, which is what he wanted them to do. So he can say, I've done my best to keep you guys here. And once you get this workshop, then if you mess up again, you know, he, he's okay to say he's, he's done his best and he doesn't have to feel uh, you know, obligated to keep them on. But, you know, again, it, through this, through, I didn't see them together. So that's, first of all, I saw them separately is, is what the setup was. As I was working with them and we talked about the dynamics in the workplace, which would come up during the sessions, right, is again, that, that they were able to understand within themselves, respecting what, what they're feeling, right, becoming more aware of what they were feeling at a time if something was to happen that was similar to what happened that caused me to, to end up landing in my workshop and, um, and, and to work on feeling vocabulary, really helping them understand their feelings are important, you respect them. And the more you can respect your own feelings, these are older gentlemen, both in different um, cultures, right? So, um, you know, one was one was a African-American black guy, American, and he was in his, an older gentleman in his 60s. And the other guy was a guy from, I believe Nigeria. And, um, and, he, and he was, you know, African, African, African. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, very, both dark skinned men, but very different cultures. And as they were learning these concepts, it's fascinating. I've worked with many different people from different cultures, by the way, like just, it's fascinating the, the people I've, I've met over the course of my work. Um, these two gentlemen, they, at the same time, they were able to, to receive it. Like when we all, we, everybody, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, that when you understand that your feelings are, feelings are universal that when you feel upset or bothered by something that that's okay and to say you know hey wait i'm feeling that way what's making me feel that way i'm feeling bothered that you're stepping into my space and then to learn to speak up in a respectful way excuse me would you please move out of my space because i'm feeling bothered by it right and 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 to come with a way to do that and to work and and, and then you can have that trusting conversation first you do it with yourself then you do it with the other person yes and you say you know you know would you please help me out all right and and then and then and one of the gentlemen he was pushed back a lot this like nobody talks about feelings out there and how's it going to work you know it it doesn't really you know the, 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 you know i got my own only only do the bot in a way i look at them and the, the only thing i stand if i you know if i make a certain body move or you know if i just walk away and say so, you no know, okay like i think part of body language is important at the same time our words when we're able to verbalize it when we sit down heart to heart and say you know this, I think is also, I forgot the Hebrew uh, phrase for this, but what words from the heart enter the heart, right? Then when we say that, I just I'm feeling, and because I know you're, you're a human, you care about other people and you in, in turn care about me, or at least care about your job enough to care about me, then we can have this basic conversation. You know, hey, I'm feeling bothered by this. Hey, that really kind of threw me off. I'm feeling thrown off by this, but you don't have to use those bigger words. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling shaken up. You know, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling, you no, know, no depressed like there's a really big vulnerable words but some of the other words like i'm feeling you know disturbed bothered you know okay those words you can and you know and i will get the message across and you can start talking about it right and then you can get to hey you know what can you what are you feeling you know ask the other guy if he has a look in his face hey what are you feeling right now when i asked you tell you that or, or i did this or this happened what's going on with you right and as you're able to communicate those and you can say hey what can we do so we're not feeling bothered by this situation 
who can we talk to if this is right not happening and sometimes the other person won't be receptive not every coworker is going to be like oh man i'm sorry you're bothered by this they may just you know call you wussy and like you know <laughs> put their hand up at you and 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 do whatever they're going to do but then you have to that's when your no has to be, excuse me please stop you know i i'm asking you to stop i'm saying no don't do that and then you have to figure out what your consequence is going to be in a situation which maybe you know you have to plan ahead you know if you're going to not stop then i'm going to go report this to so and so I'm going to write a letter of complaint, right? And you make it very clear what the consequences and then you follow through on it. So again, there's, there's, there's obviously a lot with every relationship. There's different dynamics and different situations. We are not be able to control the other person. We can only offer information and ask for information. That is our level of hishtagluk of affecting change. I love that. So we can only offer um, information and we can ask for information. We can't control whether or not the other person gives us information or what the other person does. That's out of our hands. Amazing. I, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us on America's Top Represents. It was truly a pleasure to have you with us. I, I know I learned a lot and I hope I know everybody else will learn a lot too by listening to you. And may the tremendous learning we did today be for Rafu Shalema, for Tamara Bad Elka, and also for Haya Bad Devora. Thank you again so, so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Vera, for having me. May you continue to be successful in your work Amazing. and giving uh, more messages to the Jewish world to make this world a little bit brighter. Thank you. Thank you so much.